All right, we are back on episode 59 of the We All Serve podcast. 59. We are, I know, 59, it's crazy. Better episode counter my age, I'm just not sure. It's it's all kind of blurs in together. You, you know what? We're getting we're getting old. We're maturing together. Well, I, I, I can't say that. I don't know about yeah. that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I rate, you know, people continue to stick around to uh, want to have some fun conversations with us. So uh, no complaints. It's always fun. Um, last week was indeed, uh, very, very interesting, a fun conversation with, uh, the, uh, assistant, uh, adjutant general, um, from, uh, the great Michigan. state of Michigan. Yeah. Um, really, really fun conversation. Great. Got some great, uh, feedback on that. And yeah, just everybody that comes on, they really highlight just leadership, leadership and service and, um, you know, uh, really enjoyed that conversation. And he is, I mean, man, he is busy. He's got two really, really. That's a high uh, octane dude. <laughs> high octane, high octane indeed. Um, but uh, today we're going to talk about a man that also lives and breathes uh, service. But before we jump into our episode and uh, into our conversation with the one and only Jim Bland, Angel, you are doing well, my friend. Yeah, yeah. You know, things are getting better, ready, ready to for the holidays and uh, to spend time with family and, and, uh, visit with folks so pretty excited i hope i get to see you before you jet out of town well well we will we will talk because uh, i am hoping to uh get in for like all of like 24 hours or something and uh i've I made this realization that um there is only um one of me and there's there's more people on the family side to say goodbye to um so it's more expensive for them to come to me than for me to come to them so just really that, you know, well, Can't yeah. You just hold up. I mean, that's like the Puerto Rican way to do it. You just hold up at, at your grandma's house, and everybody comes from out of town to visit you. I would like that. I would like that. That would be very nice. Please teach the uh, the, the Jewish crowd that uh, that method. I would appreciate it. Well, I will. <laughs> All right. Well, um, before we jump in, Angel, how can people uh, find out about episodes? They need to like, subscribe, share, phone a friend, get a carrier pigeon. Um, bang a drum, whatever they can do. Uh, but go online, Google, we all serve and it'll come right up and you'll see, uh, not just this episode and the episodes coming up, but, um, also previous episodes, which are funny to, to listen to. And if you watch the evolution of the show, it's, it's really just kind of start taking its own life. I was thinking we should rename the show to two bald guys and a servant leader. We should be, yeah. that should be, but then we, we would, it'd be redundant because we're also servant leaders. So that's true. That is true. I just thought of that as I was, I, I shouldn't really speak as I'm, as I'm thinking It's really a dangerous habit, but okay. We've got, you a don't want to more... be me. You don't want to be me, man. It's not, it's not a destination wedding. Well, we've got more important things to talk about. So I'm going to bring in the one and only, uh, Jim Bland, uh, Jim. And I, I've heard Jim's name forever. Believe it or not, this is actually the first time that we are actually on camera together. Although we've had, we've had some conversations and, um, uh, Jim is, uh, has spent approximately 27 years. I don't know how that's possible because you don't look like you've been doing that for 27 years, but of management investments, mergers, acquisitions, and leadership experience. He began his career as a field artillery officer in the United States Army. He's also worked for corporations such as Ernst & Young, uh, HSBC North America. He's currently an investment partner at NextGen Growth Partners, growth-oriented private equity firm making investments in the lower end of the middle market. That's uh, that's tongue twister over there. Um, he also <laughs> serves as a civilian aide to the Secretary of the Army. And if you don't know what that is, we are going to talk all about it today. 
for the great state of Illinois, which, by the way, carries a three-star protocol rank. Um, and as a trustee, I should probably put up the flag. We should put up the, the three-star flag over there. But uh, he's he also – I just want to know if he has a coin. That's all. You really want a coin, don't guy. you? Yeah. You got my flag in the background. We do, we do. Oh, it is there. It's just so small because Angel is, uh, at least on my screen, stuck in the middle. I mean, if we we move Angel over, then we'll get your full flag. Um, but uh, Jim is the also flag is only cool until December 11th, and then and then we got to scrap about it. <laughs> Jim is also a trustee for a Chicago suburb of approximately 50,000 residents. Something that uh, he and I uh, talked about and talked about local government. And over Jim's career, he has served on nearly 20 private company, nonprofit, and government boards. Is a bachelor's of science degree from the United States Military Academy. And I've got to ask the question soon of whether he's wearing that ring and an MBA in finance from the University of Chicago's Booth School of Business. Jim is happily married and has two terrific children. Without further ado, again, welcome Jim Bland to We All Serve. Thank you, gentlemen. Real pleasure to be here. It's a thrill. Angel, take it away. Pleasure is ours. You know, it was funny because. We saw, and I'm just going to throw it out there. You were uh, uh, highlighted as uh, in Crane's 40 under 40. I'm like, geez, how the heck did this guy in here? How, how did, what? 40? How Jim? Oh, my God. And then I go on LinkedIn. I'm like, look, I'm not even connected with Jim. Oh, my God. What's going on here? But we're not connected? We are now. We are oh, now. All right. I was like, oh, my God, my buddy Jim. I see. But <laughs> it's so great. And, th and thank you for coming on and, and Thank all the you. things you did. Now, did I hear you were at EY for a while? Yeah, I worked at ENY. Um, that was actually my first job out of the Army. Um, I was a strategy consultant. And um, my boss at the time, actually, you know, always seems to happen this way. My first boss was um, Sam Hughes, who was um, a prior vet and uh, 82nd Airborne guy. So, uh, you know, he saw this, this, uh, you know, hapless soul coming in there, only veteran uh, in the pool of analysts. And and he basically took me under his wing and I started working on all of his projects. So um, Sam still at ENY, a um, bit of a lifer, but. Um, well, he's uh, a big deal. Yeah, no, he's, he's done well. And, um, but yeah, it, you know, it, it seems like that's uh, the evolution of my career is it always comes back around to the army. Um, but yeah, lo love my time at ENY. Yeah, I'm there now. And how, would, oh. how did you? I mean, yeah. And I, we got it. We had a lot of catching up to do. But yeah. um, how did? I mean, how was that transition from being our field artillery officer to being a consultant? Because I'm assuming you didn't go to Booth right away. No, no. So you it, went it was... from, straight from West Point, and then because we were just screening interview and and looking at resumes with guys just like you, you know, like Naval Academy, West Point and stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, these guys are all rock stars. So you went right out of the army into strategy consulting, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So at the time, Ian Wyatt started up a strategy consulting group. It was called SAS, Strategic Advisory Services, eventually got sold to Capgemini. And, um, and so- It didn't uh, turn into Parthenon? Yeah, I guess probably evolved into that. Um, but Capgemini bought SAS. Um, and uh, and so the way I got there was really just through networking. Um, you know, I knew I wanted to go into business, but coming out of the army, I didn't really know what to do. I was very fortunate that one of my mentors um, was my cousin who preceded me. I had two cousins that went to West Point and preceded me there. One is still active duty. He's a colonel, uh, foreign area officer, um, 
uh, was was in Indonesia. Now he's in Hawaii. Um, but uh, that's his, a sweet job. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I don't know about Indonesia, but no, you know, no, no, Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but he, his brother, his, his older brother, um, kind of guided me to consulting. He said, you know. Um, it was just going to be a great place to cut my teeth and learn about business problems, solve problems, see different industries. And so um, I, I really credit him for uh, that advice. And so I, I ended up meeting a Naval Academy guy at the time, um, just through emailing and networking, Dwight Fontilla. And um, Dwight was the one that brought me in. And, you know, I went through the multiple rounds of interviews as you know, uh, these consulting firms put you through and uh, was fortunate enough to be in, I guess, uh, one of the first analyst class in that strategy group. Wow. So networking, you know, and, and utilizing the veteran component is, is the way I got there because there was no, you know, there were no recruiters coming after me um, as an artillery officer coming out of the army. So I had to do it. Fashion. Yeah, it's funny like that, huh? <laughs> you, know, you know what's funny is is um, one of our guests, f- former guest David Raider. I don't know if you know David. No. Um, well, of course you do, show him. Uh, former infantry guy, got out of the army, went to law school. You know, this undergrad went to law school, got a master in finance, and always over at Kellogg, and he's deputy um, SecDef for foreign investments and stuff. Oh, and, is that like, right? and, he, wow. and before that, he was with EY, so he's the guy that grabbed me and brought me over. So oh. when you're saying about networking and, and, and fostering relationships and not being a transactional kind of person, but someone that actually wants to learn and, and it's, it's such a big deal. I mean, it's so you totally. can't overstate that. Totally. Um, yeah. Networking is so critical and um, you know, it's, it's not something that I would say that uh, JMOs, military guys are that good at, you know, um, because you're, you're mission oriented and you got your head down and, and um you know, which is which is what you need to do when you're in uniform. But sometimes you got to pick your head up and and uh, you know just build those professional networks and and relationships. So that's one of the things that I try to tell um, vets is is really to invest in other people and try to help people. Um, comes back in droves, you know, tenfold, uh, yeah. And I know that you're doing that right now, obviously, in your role as a CASA, and we're going to get there. Um, but I like to start at the very beginning, or as uh, close to the beginning as I can. Um, so Isn't you that mentioned sound of music. Start, start I, I absolutely, it's the very, very best place to start for sure. Um, but you mentioned- kind of looks like Judy Andrews, doesn't he? <laughs> 100%, 100%. But you mentioned, uh, you mentioned, you know, family in the military in West Point and, and um, you know, your, your, your battle buddies must be uh, very proud of you. Well, uh, and you and I talked and you mentioned that a bunch of your buddies are now at the rank of, uh, of 06 at Colonel. Yeah. And there you are with the three-star protocol. You sort of, uh, you, 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 you got them beat. Um, but coming in, why, why did you go? to West Point? Why did you decide to make a life of military? Yeah, you know, um, my my father was a Chicago cop. So um, in, in, you know, so service was always in my house. Um, I saw, you know, my dad worked uh, some really tough jobs. And, you know, I, what I'll say is I never served and, and saw, um, you know, a, 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 a gun fired in anger at me, you know, and, and my father has. And so, and I, and I saw that as a very young age. And um, so, you know, that, that I think left an impression and then having my two cousins go on to West Point, um, 
you know, I don't want to say that my father pushed me into it, but he, he definitely wanted me to, um, to set my horizons, uh, you know, to, to set my sights high and seeing my two cousins go before me, um, I felt like that was achievable. And, um, so I, I was very fortunate to have, um, some really great role models just within my family being my father, um, and my two cousins. And, and I, I've, you know, my uncle served in the Marines and, and I have another co uh, cousin that serves in the Rangers. So, you know, service has been in my family, um, you know, at least one generation apart um, for me. I, I can't go all the way back. I don't know about, you know, prior generations, but, um, you know, near and dear to, my, to our heart. And uh, so so that that was probably the impetus was my father for wanting to serve. And I know you served as a field artillery officer and, um, and, uh, you retired if I'm not, or you, uh, you, you left that phase of service. And I'm going to emphasize that because you've yeah. continued to serve. You've left that phase of service as a, uh, at the rank of captain, if I understand. That's right. So tell us about your, um, your, I always ask this question of our guests, but best friend, greatest mentor, and sort of highlight of your time in uniform. Yeah. I mean, I had so many, um, it's hard to really come up with any one. I, I, I think of two that come right to mind. Um, number one was my tactical officer at West Point, my junior and senior year, Cal and first year. Um, I was a company honor rep. And, um, you know, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do in the Army, to be very honest with you. It wasn't until I met um, Steve Heidecker, uh, who was my tactical officer at the time. I guess he was a major um, that, you know, he was an artillery officer and he, he I, I don't know what he saw in me, but he, um, started to really, um, tell me a lot about the artillery and, and he thought I'd be a successful artilleryman. So, uh, he, he was the one that probably set this, you know, laid the seed there for being an artilleryman. Um, and then the second person who I always looked up to and still do to this day um, is Chris, Chris Gibson. He was a professor of mine. Uh, Chris was the one that did my swearing in oath ceremony um, at West Point. He was a professor uh, of mine and uh, he ended up um, becoming uh, an 06 in the army, served uh, tours in Iraq with the 82nd. Um, he he talked about when he was a professor that he wanted to run for Congress, and and he actually did. Uh, he served uh, as a congressman from New York for for three terms, and he termed himself out. He he when he was running, he said he would only serve three years uh, or or three, um, three terms terms, and and he did. Uh, man of his word, and uh, and that now he's the um, professor or he's the president of Siena College. So. Um, kind of that that soldier scholar sort of person. And I think that was uh, when I was at West Point, I really looked up to soldier scholars and, and Chris Gibson kind of epitomized that in my mind. Such an amazing experience. And I mean, I, I have a lot of uh, a lot of friends uh, that I'm serving with now that uh, that I like to rib about their West Point experience, and they, you know, they've got their they, but the the the, the close knit relationships and the um, both with you know again battle buddies or or with um, leaders, um, it changes them for life. And uh, Angel, just hang on one more second, and then I'll turn it back over to you. I I just got to squeeze this all out over here. No, no, so, go. We good. No, we good. I, I mean, I, I think it's awesome. I'm just, I'm just and, taking and, notes down. 
<laughs> no, it's amazing. And, and it's, uh, so obviously amazing time in uniform and, you know, uh, uh, six years. And so I have to ask, um, why, why did you get out? Oh, um, you know, I ended up getting out mostly because, <laughs> um, whoa, <laughs> I got out because I, you know, I, I wanted to go into business. I think it was, um, you know, there, there was just, I, I had served and, and I knew that I could continue to serve. I mean, at West Point, we talk about, um, you know, a lifetime of service to the nation. And I, I knew that it didn't have to always be in uniform. Uh, at some point in the army, you, you get out, right? Like um, it, it's, it's so, you know, I, I had hit my time, went to Booth, you know, I, I served um, in the reserve and uh, in the reserve forces. And, and actually I served in all three components, which was, which has been a great experience and brings a lot of color to my CASA role. But, um, you know, I went back to Booth and, and I, it was just the right time. Um, you know, I was coming out of business school. I had joined a, a private equity firm that was small that ultimately couldn't deal with me being deployed, you know, um, in a small firm, uh, when you're in private equity, uh, our fun lives are five years. So if you get deployed for one year, you're missing 20% of the investment life. That That's important. And and you're also leaving other people to kind of carry your carry weight. Bag, yeah. yeah. And and so, you know, it was kind of all of that wrapped up um, into, you know, time to leave uniform, but the uniform, but uh, continue to serve. And, and I was fortunate to... Um, be able to um, join the West Point board. So I've always been in, in some capacity uh, prior to my CASA time serving West Point. To your point, Shalom, about, you know, just tight knit. Uh, I was a recruiter in, in the city um, for West Point, we call them Malos. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I had the opportunity to serve 12 years in some capacity on the West Point board. So, you know, I've, I've always continued to serve uh, my alma mater. And, uh, and yes, very, very tight knit. I, you know, just today, uh, emailed with one classmate and, and talked on the phone with another. So, um, we're, we're very, we're very tight as you know, and you've experienced. I can't swing a cat and I hit 10 of you guys during the day. I'm not lying. Court <laughs> Harris, I talked to Court Harris, Alex Benozian and you today. And I'm like, dude, I can't get away from these guys. It's crazy. And they're all good dudes. I mean, I'm like, hey. yeah. we're, we're not that bad. No, no, no. You're my brothers, man. But that uh, lends me to my question was, what the, what made you want to go PE? Because, I mean, for most, like, when I was in the military, when I was active duty, I didn't know. Someone said, hey, man, you want to go to run a private equity firm? I'd be like, yeah, what the hell is that? <laughs> and I wouldn't have known. Did you know when you were in, in, the, in the Army what a PE firm was? No, but you know, it's interesting when you're, when you're a junior at West Point, you get um, what's called a cow loan. It's, it's like a low interest loan that you can get. And most cadets will, uh, you know, buy a car with it. I mean, that's really kind of the idea behind it. You don't have to. Um, I, I, I ended up taking that money. It was about 3% interest and I invested it. And, um, and, and I invested in a company called Dell. Um, this was back in 95, 96. So it, it, it's the exact opposite thing they tell you to do in business school, right? You build a portfolio, you know, invest in index funds. Don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? So, but, you know, 
dumb. Use debt to build equity is what I heard. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I did. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and, um, you know, so, so that really kind of fostered what I would say is my love of investing. And, um, the thing that, that I love about private equity is really working with business owners. Um, you know, these are folks, great Americans. Usually, I, I mean, I haven't met a business owner that isn't patriotic and doesn't love this country, right? Because the, the country's given so much to them. Opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Completely. And so you're working with, folks that have taken risk and built business and where we come in is we help to grow it. You know, sometimes it's, it's folks that want to take, as we say, chips off the table, you know, they've, they've grown it to a point where um, they're, they're kind of done taking risk, you know, they're, they're comfortable, but they, they want to see or they're, their at baby. they're at their own capacity. I mean, some right. people are just, or they're, they're at this, an age. How you're ever going to be. Yeah. Yeah, they're at an age that, you know, they don't have a transition plan. Um, so we we solve many problems for these business owners. But um, ultimately, it's it's investing. It's just investing in the private markets. And um, and so I've, I've just always had a love of investing. And so um, but, you know, really what the tie into private equity is working alongside these business owners. Um, we you know, they're they're different stages in private equity. And we are the first institutional capital into um, lower middle market companies. So we we don't buy from other private equity firms. We literally buy from owners, founders, um, multi generational owners, and and those are the folks that kind of light my fire. I mean, I, I love working with these these folks because because it's founder owner is what it is. Founder owner, yeah. It's, you know, it's it's just they they took the risk. They, they built they the country. Vision. They peep those people built this country. Totally, yeah. And you know that's where most of the jobs are in this country, right? It's not the Fortune 500 companies. It's it's the small, medium sized businesses in this country. So, Jim, you you mentioned the chronology of the transition um, of again coming to the army and 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 then continuing on. I have to ask about the leadership and the the skills. I mean, did. What did the army do for you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess the question for me is, what did the army not do for me? I mean, everything has kind of always tied into the army in some way. Yeah, I mean, leadership um, is obviously the greatest skill that I received. Um, you know, I would also just just say that it, it's um, being a servant leader. You know, what I try to do is even in my role at NGP is is you know, it's not about the title or the ego. It's, it's about, you know, helping somebody. Um, and, and, uh, you know, in, in many cases we're, we're buying companies and we're putting in uh, first time owners. So we're think about that. We're transitioning from a founder and we're putting in a first time CEO and these CEOs um, are, are in, in the search for a business within kind of their strike zone Um within their lane. And, and so, you know, there's, there's so many dreams that are being achieved here, you know, as, as I like to think about it. And so, um, you know, and, and all, my role as an investment partner is to enable that process. So we're looking for great companies. We're looking for great CEO leaders to put alignment, in proper alignment, all the way proper across. alignment. Yeah. And then the transaction, right. Making sure that we're doing the right thing for our for our investors, uh, you know, I'm a fiduciary at the end of the day. So, um, so, you know, just I I enabling that transaction, uh, because that's where, you know, 17 years of doing this, uh, that's, 
that that's what that's what I know how to do. And um, and then sitting on the boards and helping those leaders um, grow those businesses. Right. And, and that means hiring people, um, putting the right butts in seats, you know, um, so it's it's, um, you know, it all comes back to leadership. And, and uh, I just try to um, lead by example and, and be a servant leader, really. And, and, and I learned that in the Army and I learned that from from other folks, honestly, mostly from my NCOs, you know, um, that's uh, as much as I've had great, great commanders and great, um, you know, professors and whatnot. I mean, I learned most of these skills from my non-coms. That's great. What do you think is one of the the leadership? Well, actually you kind of answered it already. So I'll just go on to the next question. Um, so this role with the Secretary of the Army is pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I mean, when I met you, you would, I think you you were in the in, the, in that position. You had just started. Yeah, I remember. I so, and, you yeah. were, and when you say you like low ego, low, humble, you were super like like. And I'm like, you're what? <laughs> yeah, I work for the Secretary of the Army. I'm assistant. You know, and I was like, what? okay, hi. <laughs> and yeah. I'd like, I mean, since assuming that role, uh, what are some of the things you've you've been passionate about achieving? and um, sought to accomplish for your army, for our army? Yeah, so I, I work really hand in glove with um, our recruiting battalion. I mean, that that's, um, you know, the, the secretary always defines, and, and, you know, we have a new secretary, Christine Wormuth, first female secretary of the army in the nation's history. Um, and so, you know, she's ultimately kept the same priorities as the prior couple secretaries, McCarthy, Esper, and, um, and fanning. And so uh, the three priorities that she defines for us is recruiting, um, what we call soldier for life, or, you know, really just kind of veterans causes, veterans hiring. Um, and, and then the third is um, the National Guard, you know, which is our local land component, right? So the Army National Guard. So really just being that bridge between um, the state and the Pentagon, um, the, the adjutant general. Um, you, you mentioned the the assistant um, from Michigan. So those are the three kind of priorities that she's defined. Um, but we also serve as advisors to her on, you know, the, the civilian aides. There's about 100, over 100 in the nation. Right. And we all, we come from all different backgrounds, medicine, law. Um, we've got an astronaut, um, a lot of business folks. Um academics, um, educators. So, you know, she's got this rich talent pool at her. It's a think tank is what it is. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so, you know, the, the, the prior secretary, Secretary McCarthy definitely leveraged that. Um, you know, I, for example, the, the CASA down in uh, central Texas, I mean, he, he's a, a tech genius. Um, so, and he, he's there with futures command. And so, I, you know, I, I know that he was really highly leveraged um, when they were thinking through kind of futures command. And, and um, you know, he's been very critical with the software factory down in Austin. Um, so, you know, you've got this kind of really talented group of people. And so the secretary can kind of leverage those those resources in, in various different ways. So, you know, there, there's always that local mission or that state mission. But, you know, there's also these kind of ad hoc sort of um, 
these ad hocs, you know, roles that, that you can get pulled into. Yeah. Like there's a major, like for example, and I'll just throw the Vanessa Gian thing out there. Right. And we have this issue and they bring all these thought leaders that are, that are assistants to the army say, how are we going to solve this problem? Let's give right. you know, secretary Austin, everything we need. Let's go ahead and get behind him and give him a solution. that's going to work instead of, Oh, let me reach over here and see what I can find in my underneath my chair. <laughs> no, that yep. never happens. It's all so, the thought leaders that you reach out to. Yeah. So, so uh, secretary Mac uh, McCarthy at the time, uh, pulled together um, four very influential CASAs to do a roundtable, like just to to get on the phone with him and talk through the, uh, you know, four um, Latino uh, CASAs. One of them was was an elected official. He was mayor of a, you know, mid-sized city in, in, uh, in California. So, you know, he brought these four individuals, I think the CASA from um, Puerto Rico as well, and um, brought these four individuals together um, to be a sounding board and, and to really be involved in this process and to, to help him think through it. So, um, you know, you're, you're with, with Vanessa, you know, you're, you're defining kind of how, how you have these, this resource and, and how they can be useful to the secretary. Yeah. And, and I mean, you're, you're again, being, being modest and humble, but um, the, I know the enormous hours that are put in and I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day. Um, you know, the, we are an all volunteer army and that support of on the recruiting side is critical because uh, young men and women these days, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, there's a lot of opportunities and there's a lot of reasons why not to join the military, whether it's the Navy True. like Angel or the Army, or now, you know, we, we continue to, the, the needs have not gone away and the support on the recruiting side is, is critical. And especially you mentioned, you mentioned the recruiting battalion, you know, right in Chicago. Chicago is a very big city. It's yes. a very big city and it's a very challenging competitive market, competitive market for sure. And so, I mean, I see, I watch from a distance, even though I'm, you know, right now a little <laughs> bit long distance. Um, I've seen the, the hard work that the recruiters put in and a shout out to, uh, to Captain uh, Nick Bonavia and First Sergeant Troy Wooten in the Glenview Recruiting Company, and my very, very dear friend, uh, now Major uh, Joe Wall, who's the S3 of the uh, Chicago Recruiting Battalion, who was the one that 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 was the, at at age 29. He was the one that told me, "Hey, Scott, maybe you should, you know, uh, make you know, we we don't I'm just have need to talk with that guy after this. After this, I'm gonna have to talk with that <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. No, have. but I mean, they they, they are <laughs> recruiting is a tough mission, and I think that the role no of the talk. CASA is critical is. in providing the 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 policy guidance, but also the on the ground connections. There's nobody yeah. that does it better than you, Jim, which is which is great. So it's not all glamour. It's not just the the flag behind you. It's really I know no. you spend a lot of time working uh, on the ground. So tell our listeners what, you know, for many that are uh, either prior service, have served in uniform, or folks that I know everybody that tunes into this podcast that supports service, um, uh, what what can they do? How can they support the role of the CASA and how can they support, even if they don't put the uniform on, as we always say on the show, how can they all serve? Yeah. So um, certainly from, uh, regardless of what service you've, um, you know, you've been a part of, if, if you're listening. Go Army, be Navy. Go ahead. <laughs> go, go Army, be Navy. Um, you know, I mean, we should all be recruiters. I mean, if, um, you know, you see a, a young man or woman who has a ton of potential, 
I mean, tell them about the opportunities in the army. Um, you know, we, we, in the army specifically, you know, we have nearly 200 MLSs. That's 200 different types of jobs. Um, so you don't have to be an airborne infantryman, you know, um, I often like to talk about the army band, you know, every installation has a band. So if your talent is music, you can actually have a pretty darn good paying job and a pretty good life being a musician in the army, um, or Navy. Right. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's what I just try to tell people is like, you know, we can all be recruiters. Um, it, if, if you've served, um, and you should be proud of that. Um, and, uh, my guess is that most of your listeners lives have been, are better because they've served, um, whether it be the skill sets that they attained or the benefits, whether it be GI bill, whatever. So, um, so yeah, that, that's what I would say. And then just in general, you know, find a cause that you're really, um, passionate about and lean into it, you know, whether it be, you know, doing the work or being on a board, you know, boards tend to be a little bit more fundraising focused. So if you really want to just be in the weeds and, and do the work, you know, sign up for, for a nonprofit and, um, and, and, um, get involved. I would also say that there's ways almost there's, there's countless ways you can be involved in your community. Um, through various boards and commissions, um, volunteering within your community. So a lot of people think that you have to, um, you know, serve this higher cause, you know, obviously the army, uh, Navy, any of the services are, are that, right. It's this kind of very, uh, high ambition sort of, um, uh, cause, but, you know, you can serve in your community. I mean, that's where the rubber meets the road, <laughs> you know, and, and make your community a better place. Um, whether it be, uh, you know, through in, in Glenview, we, we have a very active um, outreach to um, through our youth services. And, you know, it is as affluent as some of these suburbs are up in the northern suburbs. There are a lot of people that that, that are not well off. And uh, they're there right in front of your eyes. And you just got to, um, you know, kind of ask the question and, and, and do the do the work and, and find the organization and then then volunteer, you know, so so many countless ways to serve. Um, but but if you're passionate about the service you were in, I say you're a recruiter, um, you know, tell the story of, of, of the Navy or the Air Force or the Army. Do you, as part of your role, do you speak to young uh, men and women about um, or interview them or help prep them for interviews with uh, West Point? I used to do that. I haven't done that um, here in um, Chicago. I I guess I did it um, years ago for Judy Bigger, and, and I've done it out in Colorado. So I have served on these, these boards, but not recently. I'm still involved in recruiting I, I, I see it a very, at, at the state level and, um, you know, it, it, it where I sit, it, I, I have this kind of different perch. And so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to ensure that, you know, we're not only sending great men and women to West Point, um, but if you're not able to go to West Point, I'm trying to think holistically about the army and are we getting them scholarships, ROTC, or are they better served to enlist and come in through a different nomination channel through the active channel 
Um, you know, so so there's there's multiple pathways to West from within. So I, yeah. So I, I just try to think holistically uh, sure. about the problem now, um, given my given my position. It sounds like you've really opened up your aperture, and, and for so you started out kind of a West Point there, kind of like, whoa, let's look at the whole and and a little bit of everybody here. So that's exactly that's right. Kind of what I hear, yeah. Yeah, that's that exactly right. And, and, um, and, you know, it's, it's been, it's been great because, you know, when you're an artilleryman, you just know the 13 series, right. And, and, you know, a little bit about no, 11. And you I'm know not artillery. I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> you know, the, the, the 13 MOS. And, and so oh. now I get this, this, I get to see everything and it's just so cool. And I, it, I love the army even more. Because I, I get to talk about, um, you know, the cyber needs and in the band and and, you know, 11 Bravos, the infantry guys. Right. The, that, um, so it's 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 so it's so cool. I just love it. This is incredible. And uh, I really only have one more question. The last spoke of the uh, Jim Bland wheel over here, if you will. Um, we've talked about your service. We've talked about your your a bit of your business life. We've talked a little bit about your role as CASA. Um, but I know you are also a, uh, a local village trustee, which is very, very near and dear to my heart because I think that's where a lot of the action happens. But yeah. it's interesting because the way I see it, and correct me if I'm wrong, all of these areas, they all sort of tie into each other. I mean, through through your role in, in, in Glenview, you're able to, you're able to, to actually create that support for service. And I say this all the time and Angel and I, we talk about this endlessly. You don't need to put the uniform on as you no. were just saying a moment ago is bottom line, create that culture of service. So tell us what life is like as a, uh, as a village <laughs> trustee. Well, it, it's very different um, than I expected. Uh, you know, really uh, it, it's a thankless job um, to be, perfectly honest with you, as much as being a CASA is something that, you know, there, there is a lot of appreciation for, I would say, and it comes with a lot of, you know, of, of benefits, right? Like I look at my municipal position, <laughs> there's none of that, you know, it's, it's literally, um, you're, you're conducting the business of the village is really what it is. So I just, it, it, it's very much in line with my background, which is business. It's just on the municipal side. And so um, let me get this straight. You walk in for a cup of coffee to the local Starbucks and you're immediately hounded by why, uh, why is there a pothole? <laughs> yes. So you, you, you get a lot of those sort of issues that, um, and, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm a, a board member, just like I am in my companies. And so we hire the best talent in Glenview. And I, I truly believe that, um, you know, so it's it's the staff that carries out these day to day functions. And we're there to set policy, essentially, and and to support them. Right. And, and hold them accountable. But, um, you know, because we we are um, at the end of the day uh, serving the citizens. Um, so. But it, it is definitely a thankless job. What I would say is that, um, you know, there's six trustees in Glenview and and, um, and one village president who's effectively our mayor. And, and we're all pretty tight. And, um, you know, it's it's, um, you know, it, it, it's it's like another team. Right. And I want to support them. They support us. We don't always agree on things. And I think that's good and healthy. Uh, but ultimately, we support each other because um, it is a bit of a thankless job. 
It is a thankless job, and I've had the privilege of working. Uh, where, is Glenview over by uh, Naperville or um, out by Aurora or anything like that? No, or is it up north? We're near Skokie. Oh, you're up by Skokie. Okay, okay. Yeah. 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 So, the cool kids. Must the, I must be exactly. the other Glen. No, it's it, it it's uh there, there's a lot and I uh by the way um uh, Chuck Gittles and I are, are very good friends. Yeah. Um, yeah, Chuck guy. and I have known each other for a long time. Great guy. Um so you've got you've got a great great team and and I've been fortunate to work uh closely as as you know involved in economic development and all. You're yeah. making me jealous, Jim. I miss it. I miss it and <laughs> and that's uh you know, uh, I I was fortunate to be involved uh during the well, actually through all of 2020 I I served as uh uh, chair of uh, the regional uh, COVID recovery uh, task force. And um, so I miss it, but uh, certainly service continues on every level. And you know, that's something that yeah. all three of us believe in. And, and I know that we, uh, we advocate for. Um, so Jim, I want to uh, give you the, the, the final, uh, final uh, comments over here. Are there any, uh, anything else that, uh, that we missed or any, any organizations you want to give a shout out to? Well, the only one, I, uh, you know, from a serving perspective, um, you know, I've been affiliated with Boys Hope, Girls Hope at Loyola, and, and it's a really wonderful organization. Um, I was a, a mentor to you, young man. What, what they do is they um, lift high potential men and women out of um, the inner city, um, and they bring them into uh, the Loyola environment, the Loyola Academy here in um, Wells and Wilmette. And, um, and they house them um, in Evanston. There's three homes, uh, two for boys and one for girls. And um, it's just an exceptional program uh, to, um, you know, allow these young men and women to really flourish um, in an environment that really is, is amazing. I mean, Loyola is one of the top high schools, I think in, in the, um, in the state, in the city for sure. And, um, and so, you know, that's an organization that I've, I've mentored, um, young men. And then when they go off to college and, uh, they receive, um, uh, financial assistance through the organization. Um, so it, it's, it, I, I've just seen this organization transform lives. And, um, you know, as I like to to think about it from an educational perspective, you, you, you touch one life and you will effectively touch generations. So um, that's how I think about Boys Hope, Girls Hope is that it's really kind of a generational um, sort of program. And uh, so, yeah, and of course, Army and all the other stuff, but that's, that's the nonprofit that uh, is kind of nearest and dearest to my heart recently. Well, Jim, I'll wrap it up if that's okay with you, Shalom. And I just want to thank you for coming on the cast. And it's good to see my buddy again after a couple of years. And, uh, you know, I, I just, yeah, you know what? I just think that when I think about you and, and seeing your name on the Cranes list, and congrats again, you know, that's, that's definitely hard-earned and well-deserved. And I think to myself, I look at this guy, and and he knows that he's he's talented and he knows he's, he's been gifted and, and blessed with so many opportunities and so many people pulling for him. And they, and you know what, instead of being cocky and arrogant about it, you know, what? he's giving back and he's using his tools and his talent to help those around him and his community and really be vested. And I want to thank you for that because that's really unique and it shows character. And I, I really appreciate that. Th thank you, Angel. It's yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's just a blessing, you know, I mean, uh, from, 
much is given, much is uh, expected. And, um, you know, I've been given a lot and, and I, I try to give back and it's, it's, um, you know, I hope to just touch people's lives and, and, uh, you know, I think about it generationally, right? So if you're, if you're impacting one person's life, that that's multi-generational, it's just not one person's life. That's right. Nope. Oh, thank you. Thank you for your continued service. Thanks for your continued leadership, both at the local and frankly at the national level. Um, just really, really uh, awesome to, uh, to, to have you on and, uh, and to share. I, I will say that we have had one and two stars, but now I think we can officially say that we've had uh, somebody at the three star level on the, uh, on the cast as well. So, uh, thank you for helping us get to that point. And, uh, and, um, no, but, uh, to all of our listeners, a happy Thanksgiving. Um, thank you for uh, spending uh, the night with us. It's, uh, and thank you, know, you for those who are standing the watch so we can be absolutely. here and Shalom, you, you know, you stand that watch and being out there and thank you. So we can enjoy a, a beer and uh, to argue and fight with our families. Like we love to do. <laughs> absolutely. No, and watch, absolutely. And watch thank drunk you. Uncle say bad words. We know that that's <laughs> going to happen at many, uh, many uh, dinner tables around the world, but um, truly, truly thank you. And um, we've got some good uh, conversations lined up as we wrap up this, uh, this year. Uh, so make sure you subscribe as Angel said earlier, subscribe, rate, review, and share. And um, again, a happy Thanksgiving. And again, uh, to our uh, wonderful guest uh, tonight, Jim Lynn, thank you so much for joining us. Take care. Have a good night.